Good morning, church, and happy Father's Day. In the, with the theme of Father's Day, I want to tell you about the highlight of my week this past week. It was on Tuesday morning around here at church. On Tuesday at 10, we have something called the Senior Center, where a group of retirees get together and they have a little devotion Bible study. They pray for one another, and then they get out games like cards and dominoes and, and play for a while and share lots of good treats. With seeing that Father's Day was coming up this Sunday, I went in there and I asked them two questions. First, I said, all right, I want to know, what is the greatest lesson your dad ever taught you? What is the best thing that your dad growing up taught you? Now, most of these people were from the Midwest, from Missouri, Chicago, Michigan, Nebraska, and most of their fathers were farmers or janitors. And the number one lesson overwhelmingly was to tough it out in hard times, to persevere even when times get tough, to continue to love your family. So that's the first question. The second question, and the, the answer was not so uh, unanimous, it was all over the spectrum, was how did your father show you affection? How did your father show you that he loved you? And we had everything from, well, my father didn't show us affection. My father didn't tell me I loved me till on his, he was on his deathbed. All the way to my father showed me affection by getting on the ground, wrestling with us, playing with us, telling us he loved him, spending time with us. The best one that almost brought me to tears was my father showed me I loved me because he was faithful to my mom. And as my mom was disabled and wasn't able to leave the house, every day he got up and took care of her. Now, for me, since most of you don't know my dad, I can tell you my answers. I learned lots of great lessons from my dad. I learned not to take myself too seriously, but take the Bible very seriously. I learned to sing over the choir, no matter who complains. <laughs> I learned to be a one-woman man, to love my wife and lead her towards Christ. The way he would show us affection, he, he would spend time with us. He would get down and we would have wrestling matches. I remember when we were little for hours in the living room. He would take us to places to show us new experiences and always give that extra moment to explain. So I want you, after this, I want you to think about that. What was the best lesson my dad ever taught me? And how did he show me affection? And it's a great lesson today as we get into 1 John. We continue in John 4, chapter verse 7. If you don't have your Bible, um, go ahead and raise your hand. The ushers in the back have some Bibles for you as we continue on. Because today, God, our Heavenly Father, has a great lesson for us. As well as I hope I can make it abundantly clear that He just wants to shower us with affection. So with that, as you're opening up, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today in which we can get into your word as well as celebrate our fathers. For most of us, they were greatly instrumental in our lives, teaching us, pointing us to you. And Lord, for those that didn't have a good experience with their father, Lord, I pray that you will comfort them, that they will look to you as their heavenly father, for you are perfect in all your ways. Lord, as we get into your word, speak to us this morning, uh, large our heart for you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And read it, um, look at it as I read. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. Let's just stop right there. Beloved, let us love one another. I don't know about you, but I hear an exhortation or a command like that, and I go, oh my gosh, how do you do that? 
And what John is saying to this little church is, love your brothers and sisters in Christ. But I don't know about you, but when I look around the church, I see a lot of hard-to-love people. No offense. <laughs> and, if, and if you don't know of anyone that's hard to love or kind of irritating within church, then everyone else does. And, and we... But yet God has us in a church community to love one another, to grow our ability, our strength in loving one another. And this also brings up the question, well, what is love even? What is love? Is love this kind of mushy feeling that we can fall into or fall out of? Is it, is it how I treat I, I love In-N-Out Burger? I, I love New York? I, I love Lucy? Is it... Like the Beatles song, all you need is love, 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 love is all you need, right? Is love this quid pro quo where as long as I'm benefiting from a relationship, I'll continue to love the other person? So what is love? And if you think about it, this is really hard to live out in a way that God says, you know what, that is love. And John answers this question this morning by answering one question. Why Christians are called to love one another. And so we're going to be looking at that, and he gives four answers this morning. So again, look back at verse 7 with me. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so the first answer is because we are called to love one another because God is love. And we see this throughout the whole Bible that God, our heavenly father, in his truest nature is love. And what this means is that love is not just an activity that God participates in. All activities that God does or participates in are loving Love is not an activity God participates in. All of his, all his activity, activities are loving. I don't know about you. When you think about that for a second, that is not something that we can describe anyone else. There's no one in this room that we go, you know what? They are, the, they are love. No, many of us have moments of love. But no one in this room can we say, they are love. Many dads are loving but no dad is complete and pure, unadulterated love. Only God and God alone is love. A few weeks ago, I saw an interview with David Blaine, who essentially is the Houdini of our time. He's the greatest magician alive today. And he has these great feats. Um, he, he fasted from water and food for 44 days while lifted up in this see-through box over 50 feet in the air. He froze himself in a block of ice in downtown New York. He stood on a pole um, 50 feet up in the air over a gr group of people for over 36 hours. I mean, he does thing after thing. You just go, how is that humanly possible? And in this interview, towards the end of the interview, he was asked one question. He said, the interview said, well, if there was one message that if you could put up on a billboard, you'd put it up, what would it be? And it kind of surprised me. He said, God is love. And when I heard that, my, my ears kind of peaked up and I and said, well, he's obviously going to explain that. And what he said is, well, the highest expression of God is when we love each other, which sounds nice, but it's, it's just off just a little bit, right? 
I mean, God is the highest expression of love because he is love and we are expressing him. But it, when he says it like that, it kind of takes who God is out of the equation. It makes it sound like we are part of the equation, which we are not. And so we are not love. God is love and alone. And so anyone, like John says, anyone who knows God naturally will be loving. And if you are not loving, you do not know God. Much like children, when they grow up with their parents, what do they do? Right? They do as they say, not as they do. Right? Right? That's what you found, fathers? No. Children, when they're around their parents, they start picking up on their parents' mannerisms, their, their way of speaking, their speech, their values, how they schedule their time. And they start to do, what do children do? What their parents always have done. And so this is a great passage for us today as we are looking at our Heavenly Father on a day that which we are celebrating our earthly fathers. And so with that, our, on Father's Day, earthly father's job is to reflect our Heavenly Father. And fathers, I pray that you do that and do it well because we are lost without it. And I don't know about you, as fathers or a father-to-be, as my wife is due in August, I am a father in training, right? Kind of like a, a training, a driver in training. It seems to be harder than ever to be a father. Whenever you see fathers portrayed on TV or any story, they are made out to be the dumb, dumb crazy, uh, lazy people who don't know anything. Right? And so dads, they're clueless. At least they're made out to be. And as fathers or a father-to-be, if we are not looking to our heavenly father, really we are doing just what we want and we probably are clueless, but not in the way that we are portrayed. And so God is love. And so we need to be looking at him to portray him. So that's the first one. God is love. The second answer to the question is, why Christians do we love one another? Is because God loved us. First, God is love, and second, God loved us. And we see this again throughout the whole scripture with the beginning of creation where God loves creation and making things from nothing and bringing us into this world. And then we see him create a covenant with his people, and he desires that unity with his people. And then the most important is through salvation. So God is love, and then the thing that we should get most excited about is how he shared himself with us. So look at verse 9 with me. It says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we may live through him. So real quick, sidebar, if you look at older translations, particularly like the King James, in this passage it says, not his only son, but what? His only begotten son. Which creates for us a lot of questions of, well, was Jesus begotten? Was the father before him? And the answer is overwhelmingly no. And so a more, a probably a truer translation is what we have here where it puts the emphasis not on his begottenness, but on his oneness, on how God's son is his only son, creating, showing us how it is the best gift, it is the greatest gift possible because there was no better gift imaginable. It is the very best God is giving us is his son. The radiance of his glory is his son. And so this brings the emphasis on who Jesus is, that God manifested his love for us by giving the very best of himself. And being Father's Day with that theme, the greatest father-son relationship we see in all the Bible is God the Father 
and Jesus himself, where over 150 times Jesus describes God as his father in an intimate, knowing, passionate way. And as sons and fathers, we should, dis- we should ascribe to that and want that from our heavenly father. It is just an amazing picture in which it paints. And every time we, we, want, we hear what God has done for us, this should get us excited. It should be amazing. He sent his very best for us. This shouldn't be, oh, that Jesus guy again, like we're back in Sunday school, where every answer is Jesus and we're learning about it on a flannel graph, right? This, every time we hear about what God has done, where he has showed us love through his son, this should just stir our affections in ways nothing else does. Because we live, we live through Jesus' life, through his death, and his resurrection. How many of you last week watched the Cavaliers play the Golden State Warriors, where the Golden State Warriors were victorious over the Cavs, right? A lot of people. And I don't know about you, I love watching the Golden State Warriors. They shoot from the Golden Gate Bridge, right? I mean, they, and it's not even close, and it feels like it goes in every time. And we are all amazed at their ability. But if every time we are amazed by someone able to throw a ball through a hoop, how much more should we be amazed at what God has done through his son, giving the very best of him? Where we have brought, through our, by our transgressions, we are brought from death into life. And yes, I just compared the Golden State Warriors to God. I probably will never do that again. But (laughs) if we are amazed by earthly things, how much more should we be amazed by how God has given us himself? And if we ever get complacent, like, you know what? Uh, I'm better than this girl. I just don't think as much of God and what he has done. We just need to go back to when we were in the muck of our sin. And remember how lost we were until Jesus came into our life and brought him into unity with him. Now, there are many misconceptions about God and his love. And a primary one that I see that is even within the church is that God is kind of always out to not give us his best or that he doesn't want us to have what we want. And what I mean by this is we don't want to even tell God what we want because, you know, what, when he hears what we want, he'll probably give us something else. He'll probably send us off to an African country where we're a missionary if we completely give our control over to God, right? This was expressed two years ago when I led a missionary trip, or a mission trip down to Costa Rica, where we have a, a missionary, Lillian Salt. And what she expressed in telling Ab, when she was becoming a missionary, she was like, you know what? God, you can send me wherever you want, but where I really want to be is in Costa Rica. And because I want to be in Costa Rica, you probably will send me somewhere else. But see, God wants to shower us in blessings. And if he can give us what we want, he will. It doesn't mean he always will give us what he wants, but he meets us at our greatest need. And he will use us for the kingdom. We see that in verse 10. Verse 10, if you have your Bible, you should highlight verse 10. Look at it with me. It says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of us our sins. So we were loved first. It wasn't that we took the first step. It's that God said, you know what? Even though they have turned their face to me, even though we are in complete rebellion, I'm going to meet them at their greatest need. God didn't owe us anything, but he gave us his best. And so that we could be unified with him. I don't know about you, but when someone is looking to slander me or talking behind my back, that is the last time I go, you know what, I should take care of their best need or their greatest need. Or if someone's looking to attack me, that's not usually the time I go, you know what, why don't you come over to dinner so that we can share a meal together? Is, is, am I alone in this? I don't, I don't think so. 
Usually when someone has hurt me, that's the time where I go, you know, it's probably good to build boundaries and so they don't hurt me anymore. And so it protects me. Not God. God, he goes, you know, look at their unfaithfulness. I'm going to give them my, their very, my very best and meet them at their greatest need before they have loved me, before they have called out to me in submission. I'm going to give them my very best. And we don't operate this and neither does the world. We're kind of more of an eye for an eye kind of system, at least initially. Our missionaries, Patrick and Sherry Bailey, they try to operate the mission up in the Philippines this way to meet people at their need first, even when they're seen as enemies. They have been given passage into many Muslim villages because they do just that, because they meet them at their medical needs, their educational needs. They bring books and um, drawing um, crayons and paper for the kids. And many villages then go, you know what, because we were supposed to be enemies, but now you're treating us like friends. Now we want to hear what you have to say. And, it's, and their mission is exploding in the Philippines. And in a group this size, I'm sure there are people going, you know what? Well, okay, that's great. God is love. God has loved us. But how is God loving when I lost my job? How is God loving when I've lost a loved one's wife? How is God loving when my child is addicted to drugs? How is God loving when I am so depressed I can't even get out of bed in the morning? How is God loving when my marriage is falling apart? How, am I, my, how is God loving when my sister is dealing with mental illness? How? How is God loving? Well, first, whatever answer we have to give probably will not be sufficient. But know this. God will not waste your situation. Whatever situation you find yourself in, even though it might not feel loving in the moment, God will take it and he will use it for the kingdom. And at the same time, we have to release that desire or that need for the why, for the explanation. You can look all over the Bible where God didn't give an explanation to Job. He lost everything. God didn't give an explanation to Paul with that, that you know, pain in his side, his, or his lifelong pain. But God doesn't give an explanation, but I promise you, if you are looking for it, you will see how he will use it. He will not let it go to waste. So God has shown us great love to us, but he hasn't stopped because he keeps continuing to love us. So first, God is love. God has loved us. And then thirdly, God loves in us. God loves in us. So something will be different. Look at verse 13. It says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And when we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And so think, just think about that for a second. The sovereign Lord who created the universe, who is sovereign over six billion people, says that he is going to dwell in all of our hearts, that we have the power of the Spirit. And when you really start to think about it, it is mind-blowing what God is saying. I mean, what do you think the Spirit is doing there? Do you think he's just sitting back, you know, drinking a cold one? No. This will be life-altering because we have the power of God with 
in us. I mean, you have God and his dwelling power within you. The Holy Spirit is given for many reasons, for teaching, for guiding, for proclaiming the gospel. But when God abides in you, your life will forever be changed. You cannot go back to how you were. And this is proof in this section. What it's saying is this is proof. This is the mark that you have been, that you've seen God, that you abide in him, is that you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and you will forever be changed. So God loves in us, but he doesn't stop there. Fourthly, he goes, you know what? I love in you, but now I'm going to love through you. God is love. God has loved us. He has loved in us, but now he's going to love through us. And he has put us together to do that. Look at verse 11. It says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So God is in us to love through us. I mean, we are literally agents of God. And in loving one another, we reflect God's love. So again, why is this so hard? We all know it, but why is it hard then to carry out? Again, because people, they're, they're hard to love. They make weird decisions that are different than mine. And as a Christian, we are called to love one another and telling us, you know, in loving one another, we are also to receive love from each other. Jonathan Edwards was a theologian, probably the greatest American theologian in the 17th century. He was born one of 11 children. God bless his soul. He, was, he had 10 sisters. A lot of estrogen, right? Anyway, he had a sister named Martha. And Martha was known to being hard to love. And a clergy came to ask Edward's father, if he could marry her, take her hand in marriage. And in this conversation, the father actually was trying to persuade him not to. And the clergy, the clergy said, well, hasn't she received the grace of our Lord? And, and his answer was, well, yes, but the grace of God dwells where you and I cannot. <laughs> you see, as Christians, when we are loving one another, this cannot be. If you have the spirit living with inside of us, we should not be able to go, yes, they have accepted Jesus, but the grace of God dwells where we are not. It should be abundantly clear where love and grace is just overflowing us because of what God has done. You want to see how important love is to God? Just look at the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5, pull it up on the screen. Read it with me and stop when you get to love. But the fruit of the spirit is love. Stop. Order takes huge priority. Love is of great importance of the fruit of the Spirit. When we accept Christ and the Spirit comes inside of us, love is the very first thing that will be the fruit of the Spirit's dwelling. So again, how do we love others? I mean, Jesus only died for us, right? How do we love one another? Again, we need to look at the each circumstance. And so since it's Father's Day, we'll take fathers first. Fathers, how do you love each other? First, you need to start with your families. First, start with your families. And so fathers, do this by bringing your children up in the ways of the Lord, reflecting the Father. Just like it says in Proverbs, train your sons and daughters in the way of the Lord so that they may not depart from it. Also, another thing for fathers, I would go back to what John Wooden said, where he said, the best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. One of the best things a father can do for his children is to love his mother. My uncle actually grew up with John Wooden as a family friend. And so I had a chance to ask him, said, how did John Wooden come up with that? He said, well, I asked, I asked John Wooden the same thing. He said, through all his players, it was consistent. If they had a strong father figure, they were, 
good citizens, they were respectful, they were team players. If they didn't have a strong father figure example, uh, Mr. Walton, they were not. And they were difficult and they would do whatever they felt they wanted to do. And so fathers, love the mother of your children. But then as Christians of the greater church, how do we reflect our heavenly father? First, we might need to be reminded people that we are in Christ. We might need to surrender and humbly apologize for how we haven't reflected the father. We might have to intentionally listen and empathize with people with where they are and how God is using them in their life. We might have to actually give help, take time out of our schedule to give help to one another. There's a list of things that we could do. It's unlimitless in a group this size of how we can show God's love to one another. Then we need to look at, okay, that's great ideas of how to love each other. What stops us? What are roadblocks right now for how we don't love one another? First, if we don't love God well, we are not going to love each other well. If we don't reflect God's, the the heavenly Father's love well, we are definitely not going to love each other well. Second, a huge roadblock for us is time. We are not very good time management. Time, we have less time now than we ever have in all of history. Even with all the technological advancements, it's just getting, our pace is getting faster and faster and faster. In the 70s, Princeton conducted a study. They took a group of seminary students, so men who are saying, I want to go into Christian ministry. And they said, okay, here's your test. Make the, I want you to create your best sermon on the Good Samaritan. Get all your materials together and create the best sermon, and we're going to have you preach your best sermon on the Good Samaritan. And how they conducted this this test is they had everyone meet in building A, and then whoever was going to preach had to walk to building B to preach their best sermon on the Good Samaritan. And on their way, guess what they came upon? Someone who needed help. When they first conducted it, and there was no time constraint, 75% of the pastors stopped to help the person in need. When there was a time constraint, when they were rushed, when they were told, well, if you don't get over there in the next five minutes, you are running late. Guess how many people stopped? How many of the seminary students? It goes all the way down to 10%. 90% of these seminary students who are going to preach a sermon on the Good Samaritan don't stop as they are walking by someone who is calling out for help. Do you think we fall in the same trap? Absolutely. If our time, our schedule is too full, we are never going to take time and go, you know what, Lord, how can I be loving to other people? Because our, our, we're just, you know, treading water with our own time, trying to take care of our own needs. So what you choose to do shows your loves. It is, it is very sad, but it's true that one of our greatest and highest attending days at church is Mother's Day. Guess what one of the lowest attending days is of the year? It's Father's Day. Mother's Day is highest. One of the lowest is Father's Day. What we choose to do with our time shows our affections and loves. So if we, if we ask to make all a list of what we do with our time, it would be very telling of our love. Because if we can give the answers, the, the churchy answer, right? Of what do you love? Oh, I love God. I love my family. I, I love working and supporting them. I love my job. But if we, tell, if we make a list of, you know what? This is how we spend our time. It's going to tell us where we love and what we truly love. So as God is love, as he's loved us, right? As he's loved in us and he loves through us. If we take this as a church 
And when you really make it a core of, you know what, because God is love, we are going to love one another and love each other well. Imagine what our church can become. Do you think our church will change? Absolutely. It would change overnight. Do you think our community would change and would notice? Of course they would. They would want to know what's going on over there at South Shore's church. They would, we would be looking at Acts 2 and 4 and going, wow, look at what the church has become where people are taking care of each other's needs, looking out for one another, loving each other like they love themselves because of the love that we have from our heavenly Father. It could be amazing, and I pray that we do that. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are love. Thank you that you have loved us first, that you sent the very best of yourself in your son. Thank you for giving us your spirit to empower us to love one another. Lord, I pray that we will love each other well, for you have put us together in this place. And love, Father, I pray that as we love one another, our, the community and our world will know of your love because we are reflecting you. Lord, I thank you for fathers again today as, as they have impacted our lives. And I pray that they will perfectly reflect you as to the best of their abilities. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.